Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Atfield. Gabe, we got a rare before noon recording of uh, What High School Did You Go To? I still have like coffee on my breath, so it's, it's a weird feeling. <laughs> yes, we are recording this uh, in the morning, just before uh, just before lunchtime uh, with the the holiday. I, I'm off work, so I'm able to record in, in, in a better time period. We normally always record like 10 11 o'clock at night so yeah. it's actually uh people might be listening to this in the afternoon which would be nice <laughs> and no i mean it, it's funny it's funny because those night recordings is like our our mood totally shifts by the end of them it's oh funny. yeah we get like um, definitely get a little tired that's for sure a lot a lot has happened since we we took last week off and there's been a lot of things that have like gone on yeah, um, in the world of Louisville mm-hmm. athletics, and then just in the city of Louisville, and I think we're going to concentrate mostly today on just some generalized stuff. Um, we're not going to speak too much about the the Louisville Kentucky game that's coming up. We might hit on it a little bit, but uh, we, we just wanted to get some stuff out of the way before we kind of talk about that more later on in the week. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, we weren't able to get a show in last week, um, so we're going to talk this week about the uh, the recruiting, the 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 early signing period that happened uh louisville's victories and mostly not victories uh, in regards to that uh we are definitely going to touch on you know where louisville and kentucky are heading into the game uh but our plan is later this week to talk specifically about that game uh in in sort of a special breakdown episode and and uh potentially twitch stream which which we'll talk about when we get there um and then we're also going to talk i think this the probably the biggest news in the state and and we're you know what what kentucky is being talked about nationally is in regards to this bevan's pardon situation definitely going to talk about that and then we'll close things out talking about the very interesting louisville city fc logo debacle that uh, i think we both um we both have some takes about yeah. not, i mean not quite takes but just uh, it's one of the most interesting things i don't know i i've always i find everything that sort of happens behind the scenes with louisville city uh more interesting and in, in, in a different way and i'll talk about that then yeah um, any pr based thing in louisville intrigues me so I, I i'm all ears yeah it's gonna that'll be that'll be interesting we'll close things out with that so let's get the intro and we'll start the show Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. Greatness started in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. Louisville is the greatest! And Chris, we are back. As mentioned, we wanted to start things off. You know, it's, I think it's sort of died down with with uh, some of the basketball news in the past week and, and the, the ramping up anticipation for the big battle of the bluegrass. But we are still really thinking, you and I, and we had a few conversations, didn't really get to get our takes out there about last week's national signing day for the early period for the football team. It's not quite national signing day, um, but it's sort of the first quote unquote national signing day. Um, yeah in which Scott Satterfield had his second class, uh, uh, his first real class, I, I guess you could say. Um, and the jewel of the class, Chubba Purdy, did not end up signing with Louisville despite being committed, Chris. He ended up going with Florida State, um, where he had previously visited the weekend prior. And uh, that was that was a bit of bad news for the Cards, um, all things considered. So, Chris, I think that's where we, we have to start, given that's 
yeah. think the most impactful news in the past week uh, on the future, and and I think definitely more interesting than anything happening bowl wise. Yeah, uh, I mean, un- un- unfortunately, there's there's some smarter people than than me and you that that follow recruiting that talk about it. And they're like, yeah, look at the class. It, it, it everything ended up okay. Um, there were some late guys I know that came in, some defensive lineman guys that came in that people were really excited about it. But unfortunately, man, when you lose a guy like this. I know people on like Twitter were upset about this angle, but it's just gonna be the story. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I, I, I know you'd like it to be about the story about the people that Louisville did get, and I, like I said, there may be some great guys. I'm not gonna go through a bunch of defensive linemen film and say that this guy can contribute, this guy cannot. There are people that know football better than me that can tell me. Um, but when you lose a guy that has been committed to your program for you know six months to a guy mm-hmm. that had been hired a week ago and yeah i mean you actually technically if you want to get technical about it you lose two recruits but the other the other kid i, I think is a bit of a bit of a different story um but yeah, I mean, when yeah. you when you lose chubba purdy to that school it's a story and the thing that i hated about it the most is to me it almost felt like like the wool was pulled over Scott Satterfield eyes. Like it, he, they talked about like, he didn't really get a heads up that this was going to happen. Um, he even kind of maybe took a little bit of a shot at Chubba Purdy in the press conference when he said, when he was asked by, I think Rick Bozick asked him if, um, how, how he found out that, you know, some of the guys are coming or some of the guys are coming. And his response was something along the lines of the ones with class tell us, yeah. Uh, so, so maybe a direct or indirect shot at, at, at Chubba Purdy, but it's just like I felt that way after the Louisville Kentucky game because it, there was that whole angle of of Satterfield going up to to Stoops about the L down thing and and stuff like that, and it just I don't know it was just weird feeling like another feeling where Scott Satterfield's too nice or or, or something <laughs> along those lines. Like I, I, I know how like dirty like recruiting gets, and sometimes it's successful, and sometimes you have to do some things and and i'm not sitting here saying like i want scott satterfield to do dirty recruiting things but it it just like it made me feel like i don't know it made me feel like the wool was pulled over satterfield dives like that that's how i felt and that's just a really bad place to be as a as a fan of a school and and that guy being your head coach that's how i felt how'd you feel I mean, I was definitely bummed. I I think this this I I like this angle. I'll get to the nice guy angle. I I was definitely bummed. He, I mean, there's no way to beat around the bush. He was going to be the biggest guy in the class. He was the biggest name. He was the number six quarterback on on twenty four seven. He was um you know he was a top hundred recruit, and it, it, it's exactly what you said. To have it happen over the course of five days just yeah. was a real bummer. And, and, like, and he could have he could have lost him to almost anyone else, and it would have been less of a story to me. Well, no, I don't know about that. I, I mean, I think I think Florida State makes more sense than Georgia Tech or well, Georgia. Yeah, Tech, I mean, but, if you lose him to a lesser elite school, but to lose him to a, a, a team that's in your division and a team that just yes. hired a, a head, that's the perception part that that bothers me the most. I get that. I completely get that. It's something that immediately affects. Us. I mean, this dude literally. I I, I don't know. I, say what you will. It does seem like he has an opportunity to start next year at Florida State. I, I think that's I, I I think that's the only thing to me that makes sense on what he was sold on. Is is it, you know I can imagine Norvell being like, well, you saw Mikhail Cunningham. He you know he was a top five college quarterback in in you know completion in in QBR. 
You know, he he was great at completion percentage. He was dynamic. You're not going to play for two years. You know, he's a, he's going to be a junior. So that's the only thing that makes sense to me about that. About uh, you know you know that being the selling point, which I guess makes sense it, it, to can make sense if I I don't know I'm not I'm not a highly touted quarterback recruit but I imagine those guys uh typically want to play sooner rather no, I mean than later. I, I, I I think it makes sense no me, it makes uh, sense does. but to get to the the nice guy thing no I think you're absolutely right and I think that that was part that's part of the thing about the whole the whole Satterfield Satterfield mystique and it's becoming more of a thing is like when we go from Bobby Petrina to this, it's like such a breath of fresh air, but you still need a little bit of the edge. And yeah, it's like it's it's walking that line because I think the days of having a hard ass as as a college coach in football or basketball are pretty much over. But you still need something. And like even like I think like not to compare, it's really hard to do this to compare to Clemson compared to Dabo Sweeney, but like he plays that nice guy role. But like, isn't a nice guy, right? Right, right. Like we all know that. Like that's all a facade. Like he's like, oh, we're all about family. We're doing this together. Uh, we're a public school that prays before football games. But that's another <laughs> story. Uh, no shots, no shots. <laughs> um, but like, we're all about. You know, we have a pizza party when we're going to the to the to the, uh, the college football playoff. The meeting at the Paul. The meeting at the Paul. You know, it's like it. It's all. It's all a little hokey. And I think Satterfield feels so genuine when you hear things come out of his mouth, like them playing, you know, pick up basketball. It's such a genuine, like, dude thing. Like, you know, like, like having the offensive line eat chicken wings every Thursday night at at Coach Ledford's place. Like, these are all genuinely nice things. Like, you're like, oh, this is this is a very nice coaching staff. And it is we're seeing more and more some of this. Okay, well, you know. Uh, sometimes nice guys finish last. Yeah, I mean, I I have no questions. I mean, you know, you can quibble with a play call here and there. We're always going to do that, but I have no real questions about Scott Satterfield's coaching ability. Yeah. I, I I mean, he, he did what he did this season, regardless how it ended, and you regardless how the bowl game ends it. He there's still seven wins at the end of the season. That's, right. That's amazing. It's just comparative it's, to it's, two, it's, of course. Yeah, it's everything else. It's that coupled with going into Kentucky and looking like your team didn't have much of an edge. You get punked, and, man. You got punked. Yeah, that, like, that's let's the, just be real. That's the, that's the thing. Is like There were some schematic advantages that Kentucky had, of course. But the more and more I look back on that game and the more I, I kind of can palette with the other things that happened in this season, uh, Kentucky just had more of an edge. And, and yeah. I, think, I think that's a reflection. I think that comes off the coach in some aspect. I mean, we saw – it's weird to say that because we saw the stuff before Wake Forest with, like, the equipment manager getting bloodied up, and I, I don't think you could get more pumped up than that. But, man, there's just – there seems to be something to that. I'm not sure I can even put my the words on it correctly, but I, I think there's something to that. No, there's definitely – there's definitely something to it and it's something I'll be looking for in the next 12 months is what, you know, how does, how does this translate? You know, we've seen how this translates over the course of a year now. Um, how will it, how, how will it be tweaked for the future seasons? How will I mean, it evolve? Uh, yeah, Cause it, it's going to have to. It was the, it was the perfect recipe to, to take a program from two wins to, to seven wins. Now, now how do you do that from seven to eight? Or, or to nine or to ten. Yeah, or, or yeah. What's what's to sustain? Because I I think he's successfully checked the box of motivating a team and 
having them love each other and having them care each other, care for each other and having them believe. Um, now there's, there, there's some other things to check. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, even, even all things considered, I, I don't know. I mean, um, he was in the class for Purdy was in the class for six months. Um, to flip all right away uh reading some of the background uh, and this seems to actually be confirmed um purdy's gonna get to play with a childhood best friend at fsu uh, mike norvell and his offensive coordinator apparently have a lot of deep ties to arizona to his high school and the area that he that he's from um it's just weird. I don't know. It's. I mean, uh, LSU lost a guy to Clemson. Uh, yeah. On on signing day, things happen, but with this one, it's just more magnified because how long Louisville had him, four star quarterback at the most impactful place on the field, and you lost him to a division uh, division rival. I mean, at this point, you can kind of call it all the games that Louisville and Florida State have had have been pretty highly entertaining, if anything. Um. So yeah, that that's why it's more of a story. That's why it hurts more. Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, listen, they could go get a five-star, four-star quarterback next year and it not be a problem. But it's just – it's one of those – it's not quite a red flag. I think it's an orange flag. It's it's a big <laughs> That's a deal. Good way to put it. It's a big deal, but it's, like, not a big deal. And not even from a T – I'm not even, like, saying that because I'm a T-Web guy, you know. <laughs> like, like good for T-Web. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of folks now like, well, T-Web, you know, he's really good too. Yeah, he, he could be really good. I'm not I'm not sure that's what this is about. Yeah. This is, this is you know it's not it's, about it's perception. It's, it's about perception. perception. It's about perception and perceived weaknesses and strengths. So I, no one's no one's taking shots at T Web. Although I think if T Web ends up being really good, he could like be the most beloved quarterback recruit in a yeah. while. Like he has which great is funny. hair too. So he has He's that great hair. <laughs> we can't we can't hate on the hair. Um, I do I want to really. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. You, if you we're still talking about Purdy, that's fine. This is this is something different. So go okay. ahead. Well, I, I do want to know. I mean, I, I think I, I think we talked a little bit defensively. Uh, the, they they really bulked up both on the offensive and defensive lines, but especially on this defensive line. Um, they not only did they have the the pretty strong class, they got a few guys that are going to immediately contribute. Uh, Yaya Diaby, uh, who was a who was a big JUCO guy. Um, they also brought they're bringing back two dudes from last year who weren't who weren't eligible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jadarian Boykin and I'm forgetting the other person. The the uh, Boykin one stands out because I know he's yeah. a big guy when he got the club. Got the he was campus. he was the highest rated player in the class last year. Yeah, so he's going to be able to come in and play as a freshman. I think that the the defensive line, which is a real issue, um, is going to be much stronger next season. Even though a lot of guys are going to be young, they're going to be young and they're going to be strong. Um, they got really fast dudes. Uh, Jordan Watkins, the the wide receiver from ta- here in town. Uh, I mean, he's he uh, he, he runs a sub four four. So what I what he's I really heard fast. what I heard about him is like it's not going to be a situation where he's going to like make people miss like two two at well. So you're not yeah. going to get like the pop yeah. pass. He's just going to blow by dudes. Yeah. And 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 a, that that excites me to have a guy. Anytime you can have a guy with elite speed like that, that just gets me so excited. Yeah, it's it. I'm going through uh, Keith Wynn's breakdown, and he and he has one that that is one of his, you know, kind of highlights is that speed was put at a premium. Um, and, and there's going to be some impact guys. There's going to be guys who are going to be able to slide in right away and play, um, um, you know, 
play automatically a few people on, on both sides of the ball. And it, it's, it's a good building class. You know, it, it's about average for where they've been in the ACC. Um, it's not any, you know, it, and with these three-star guys, a lot of these three-star guys, it's all about identifying talent because there's literally hundreds of three-star guys. Some of them end up being really good. I mean, like literally John Grenard, who, who left the team, and he was a three-star. You know, right. um, you know, Jair Alexander, he was a three star like it's it, it you, you've got all those cases. So it, we won't know for sure how this class is going to be for a couple of years, but it does seem like on on, you know, on tape, there's a lot there's a lot to do, uh, a lot to be excited about. And defensively, which was my biggest concern, I think it's like seven of the 10 highest ranked recruits were all on the defensive side of the ball which is yeah. what you want to see when they couldn't stop Kentucky from running the ball. So Yeah, I mean, and I, I think there's an angle of where Satterfield wants to take kind of the angle that Kentucky has has took a little bit and, and build up the defensive and offensive lines and start there and then work from outside, which, I mean, totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the issues that Petrino started kind of his downfall was just not recruiting at the defensive line or even the offensive line. Um, so that's good to see because they were missing on entire classes. And I think that point can't be really magnified enough. No question. Um, my, my question I had for you that was, that was totally unrelated to this. So if you have another football take, we can go ahead and you can go ahead and not really. out. But, no, no, not really. Okay. I told you, I literally just had an epiphany because we talked about this before the show and I want you to continue thinking about it. We're probably going to talk about it on a different podcast because I love to, but I think one of the defining things of the decade for the city of Louisville was Top Golf, and that's crazy to me. <laughs> I love how you just brought that in left field. Um, uh, yeah, I was just it, yeah, I literally we, we, just had had an epiphany while I was thinking about that. We're gonna, like, is is there anything that has explained the decade, the rise of the decade in, in Louisville, and and kind of the struggles they face as much as Top Golf? <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's a that's that's one. We'll have that conversation. I can't. I don't even know how to respond to that. But yes, we're gonna have like an end of decade podcast. We were talking about it before we recorded, so stay tuned for that in the next week or so. I just wanted to get um, that out there so we didn't no, forget about it. It was incredible. It was incredible. I, threw, I thoroughly appreciate it. Um, <laughs> as one one last football note that that's not really Louisville related. Um, I just wanted to like joke about the fact that Kentucky. Um, I, I think it was Vince Merrow had that quote. It's like, oh, we're the state school. Like, uh, oh, that was good stuff. Gonna have to get used to it. And then everyone's like, yeah, man, totally good with that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're totally okay with you being the state school. That's uh, absolutely fine. And and then and then some people went in a room and it's like, oh, Clemson or South Carolina is the state school too, but Clemson's good. It's like, no, 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 that's not what this is about. This is about the cultural difference about Louisville and Kentucky. Please, let's just just don't take it. Take it. Don't take it too, take far, it too far. Just don't take it too far. Um, <laughs> But I don't have it on the notes here, but I think we the we have to touch on the Rick Pitino news. Yeah, it just came out a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> Rick's been winning, dude. That's all I can really say. Uh, yeah. That was like my main response is that Rick has won a lot in the last yeah. like six months. So Rick settled with Adidas, uh, the quote company he alleges contributed to his downfall at UVL. So Rick was going to get zero dollars and got some money. I don't know what kind of money he got. We we don't really know. Um, but I think the most important part of this story, Chris, I'm, I'm reading the Courier Journal's article uh, by Tim Sullivan, uh, where he, he said, um, reached via text me text message Monday morning. Patino said, quote, he had nothing to add. 
when has Rick <laughs> ever said, I have nothing to add? He's like, a changed just, man, oh. dude. He said, uh, I have nothing to add, dot, 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 on the record, next message, but off the record. Here's all the shit I want to say, because <laughs> uh, that's definitely what really happened to him, and we know it. Um, you but did, shout out you to did see the You did see the quote, uh, the, the Euro hoop quote, right, where it's like his favorite level of basketball or – Oh, Man, it's I like, can't remember the exact quote. It was he, like some said. of the effect of like his favorite basketball right now is this European basketball, right? Yeah, it was it was something like putting European basketball on a pedestal over any other basketball. Um, I, so it's some way in that capacity. By the way, I don't think anyone's covered the Rick story as well as like Tim has covered it. He is not. No, followed, he's definitely. Like, yeah, he stayed on it. <laughs> no, he definitely Rick. Or, um, Tim has been plugged in. Uh, he's he's texting Patino. Like I feel like he's, I feel like they have like a, like a, just a regular conversation. Like, like I feel like something happens. It's like Giannis and and Tim just like man, it's gonna be really cool to watch you coach Giannis. And Rick just texts back <laughs> like, yeah, I can't wait. His family seems great. <laughs> just like stuff like that. I, I okay, do or, like. I do wonder how much like. Rick has watched Louisville play this year and how much of an it's probably not as much as like last year, but I feel like he still has a very like definite opinion on this team because there's still I, some guy, there's still uh, enough guys to where he like recruited and got here. Like, you, you know, know what? I, I, I disagree. I think, think? he's watched think so. every single Minnesota game, but he has watched maybe, maybe he watched the Michigan game. <sighs> He may be right. I don't know. I just I, who's I, who's who's watched more games since he's left Louisville, Tom Jurich or Rick Bettino? Tom Jurich. Huh. Okay. I, I think no, I think you may be right. I I, I think I, I think Rick watched a lot of games last year, but you may yes, be right. Yes, I that. think I think he I think he's he's moved forward at, at some in some capacity on that. I think he watched maybe all the all the um, all the pageant games. I think he watched all of them, and then, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay, that's. I think that's about it. We've got for for Rick, uh, but we did <laughs> yeah. want to talk. Well, speaking of basketball, it's it's battle the bluegrass week. It's it's you know talking talking with your family members who wear blue and arguing about things. Um, as we mentioned, we're going to break down the game more extensively later in the week. But I wanted to talk about where the teams are at this point, and uh, I I, I want to ask you this question. I'm gonna start by asking you this question, Chris. Did you want Kentucky to win that game against Ohio State? Yes. Or was it just? <laughs> yeah, I, hands down. And I may have been. I know I'm in the minority. Um, I wanted I, them to win. I I did want them to win. It's also less about like the streak thing. Like coming off a two game losing streak matters. But at some point, a rivalry is what it is, and they're going to be as amped up for it no matter what. Even if they went one and one, or even if they went two and two, two yeah. and zero oh in my mind. But it's like, but it's like, you know, this could be a really good win for Louisville. Um, given yeah. the way the ACC's gone, I think they're going to need like a leg up if they want to get that that one seed in Indy over Ohio State because you know if things trend continue trending the way they are, and you know Louisville gets a share of the ACC title or, or whatever. They're going to be up there for the, on that one line, and it's going to be them and Ohio State for Indy. And I think that's just as much critical as as getting a one seed. So, so a win like this 
could be really like significant. But now if you look at the numbers, even if they go into rough and win, I'm not sure how great it's going to look even at the end of the season. I mean, we'll see. But, gosh, it just seemed like if, if Kentucky beats Ohio State and then Louisville goes and beats that Kentucky team in rough, that's a huge feather in, in Louisville's cap for that, for that debate if, if it comes. So that was one thing I thought about a lot. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. It's, um, especially when you're looking at the team sheets, like the team sheets, Louisville just isn't going to have as many quadrant one opportunities this year yeah. in, 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 with regards to the team sheets, which is kind of nuts when you think about it and you compare it. I, I posted about it. Um, if you compare it to last season, uh, there's there's just not going to be that many opportunities for the cards to to get those big um, those big opportunities. So I don't, I don't know, man. It, it, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested to see what happens in the ACC in general to see if one of those teams that's perpetually like a, a first buy kind of makes a jump with North Carolina being out of the picture. There's like the Florida States, NC States, even Virginia Tech. Uh, I want to see what those teams do because I think this is a good opportunity for them. But like with North Carolina being down, and I don't think Virginia's very good. That uh, you're exactly right. I mean, there's yeah, just I not mean, a lot of opportunities. That going to win at Cameron Indoor um, is is pretty huge. But you know, no, absolutely. Uh, the the net has been updated. They were updated is updated yesterday. So Louisville's still seventh. Um, yeah, I mean, there's 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 only one team that Louisville plays. It's that's in the top ten of the net right now. It's Duke, and they're yeah. only going to play them at Duke, which is going to be a really tough game. Then the next, the next ACC team is Florida State at twenty five. Yeah, and then you don't have another. Gosh, man, you don't have another in the top fifty. You got you got. Three, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think at the end of the day, if Louisville finishes with like six or less losses and and they have the ACC championship I still think they're in line for like a one seed kind of regardless yeah. but if you really want to get like really in the weeds and you're talking about who gets the favorable regions and, and things like that that's where it kind of matters a little bit more to me um, but specific to this game man and we're going to talk X and O's later this week but can what do we what do we think about the attitude of the Louisville, Louisville basketball fans like just everywhere on Twitter Everyone expects to lose. No question. It, it's it's it, just, it, it's. Just give me it, your take on that. No, I mean, I I feel the same way. It's absolutely nuts. And what I've told people is, if if there if I looked at the team like the the Ken Palm page of the team we were playing, and it said any other name but Kentucky, I would think we're winning. We're winning ten like, like, like we're winning by ten points. I, I just there's there's something there's something voodoo-y about it, man. And until they break that spell, I, I'm gonna feel that way. Um, I mean, it was it's really funny. You were talking about you know uh, the the rivalry and how people people are feeling going into it. And and I I was I went back to the the Nate Sestina quote from uh, from after the game against Ohio State, <laughs> where, where this is, I've got the tweet right here from Kyle Tucker. Uh, Sestina says UofL will come in wanting a, wanting to erase Kentucky's dominance in the rivalry under Calipari, and after 0-2 in Vegas, the cards will, quote, think we're going to come in and lay an egg, end quote. I, I think, and I was like, literally, there's, I said, buddy, there's not a single person in the city who thinks that, and it just shows how little 
the Kentucky players know about the rivalry, and not to right. say that Kentucky, the Louisville players are are that much more invested. I mean, David Johnson uh, will be, but and I guess Jordan Moore has been here for for three years now. He he will be, and and the seniors have been here for a while as well. But it, it's Louisville. Just it, we've been we've seen this movie before. We've seen this. We, we uh, Mike Rutherford, I think, has the best the best version of like the Louisville fan experience watching Kentucky. It's like, oh, these guys are good. Oh wait, we might actually beat these guys. Oh no, we didn't beat these guys. How the hell did we not beat these guys? It's like, it's it just. It, it's the same show, man, and we're going right. through it. And I'm not going to believe it until it's zero zero, and the number of the, next to Louisville is bigger than the number next to Kentucky at the end of that game on Saturday. But, I'm not going to believe it. But Rip Pitino's gone, <laughs> and that's—I mean—that's something that <laughs> needs to be spoken about. Is like how much of that had to do with Ribatino freaking about out about this game and it getting in the players heads and them not playing a good game i mean the we we talk about the dominique Hawkins memorial award and those things matter yes they do but i don't think that is I, i've i've got some numbers to kind of back it up and i'll bring them out next week i don't think that's as significant as people think it is i just think Louisville has played awful in these games and i think a big part of that is the Rip Pitino factor. I really, really do. I mean, Dwayne's uh, one thing that is weird and one thing that kind of gives you a point in like the, the voodoo thing is Dwayne Sutton has his worst game in a local uniform last yeah, year against I, Kentucky. I, was, and I, that, I literally was pulling that up and never stopped <laughs> mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, that's an, ex- that's an extreme oddity. And that was something I was kind of thinking about. But you, I don't think you can discount like the primary figure of the Louisville Kentucky basketball rivalry for the last 10 years being no longer a part of it. I don't, I don't think you can. So, I mean, I think the thing about that is how much And the question is how much of that, how much of that hoodoo is, is it will, will live beyond Patino and is in the DNA of the program now. Yeah. And last year, I mean, I Louisville just didn't play very well last year. Um, Kentucky didn't really either. I mean, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, like, Things just, Mar- things just my argument to that would be that Louisville played bad in a quite a few games last year though they played yeah, awful at sense. Syracuse too and people don't say the same thing about Syracuse. That makes sense. I think it's just uh, it does really and I know you, I've had some other people bring forth the data and like oh well it's not really you know it, it's never really just one person it's just and Kentucky doesn't even shoot that well from three it just I don't know man just random things just always go Kentucky's way like last yeah. season uh, Tyler Hero being absolute trash like he I, I i did the math he was like 17 for like 60 before the louisville game and then goes you know four of six from three six of seven from from two in, in the game and and you know drops 24 points to lead the, the cats it's just like stuff like that just happens that things just always change before the game i don't know and we'll, that's we'll what talk was so weird about like the the quentin snyder coming out party is because what he did the, to kentucky is what that was like the one like outliner in all of this is like mobile's right. never had that guy that's gave the surprise performance and that's like the one time exactly that and that's what sort of and to go back to how we started the conversation talking about wanting kentucky to lose that game came after kentucky what it was like 102 to 99 against UNC like they had gone double overtime against against the Tar Heels and so I I kind of wanted them to have that sort of like 
okay, they were going to have this letdown game where they had this incredible offense, and now they they you know they've they've done that. They shot their they shot their blanks, and we're, Kentucky is still primed to turn things around just in time for the rivalry. Yeah, I I don't want to step on it too much, but my no, overall no. opinion on this game is that both teams play their best. Louisville wins. No, I don't so, think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong. And when I, when I feel that I way, I'm going to feel pretty confident. Uh, yeah, um, I don't, I don't think I, you're wrong. I, I seen that. I, I mean, I posted I posted that video on on Twitter today of kind of that defensive segment against Michigan that gave them the first like, I guess burst in that game. There wasn't too many bursts in that game. It was pretty boring. But that defense was elite, and I I haven't seen a moment that Kentucky has been able to to have the poise and, and the spacing and, and just the maturity in general to to attack a defense like that, that, that the way it needs to be attacked. Um, I, the, the end of the Ohio State game kind of illustrated that perfectly for me. They just the, the two minutes where, where it got to winning time and, and Ohio State buckled down, Kentucky just looked lost. Yeah. Um, so if, if they come out with that energy and that edge, I, I really don't have any concerns, but we'll, we'll talk about it. No, no doubt. Um... Uh, one one more note on this game, uh, and you made the note of it. That's honestly why I brought it up. Is the the holiday schedule for each team? Mm-hmm. Um, our understanding, I think, now is that the Louisville basketball team is back in town. Uh, they're going to practice. They're going to they're going to spend Christmas together. Uh, while Kentucky's supposed to be back in Lexington on Christmas Day, so only really giving them you know Thursday and Friday to prepare for Saturday. Um, yeah. I found that really interesting. Me too. I, I I was right there with you. Um, I did and not I get expect it. No, I mean, Kentucky to have such a long layoff. Which I don't. Honestly, I don't think time wise they do. But it's just the way their schedule works. I, I don't know. It's I, if, if I obviously were biased, I, I kind of would rather have the whole week with the team together. I don't know. Just uh, and, well, Cal and, doesn't watch film anyway. Apparently, so I just guess it doesn't really no, matter. I, yeah, man. He's, <laughs> well, he can, he starts coaching now. You know, we've yeah, the point. Yeah. According to Pat Forty, he starts coaching about now. Um, um, I don't know. It just, that felt kind of weird. And and I don't know if like a timing thing, sometimes I worry about long layoffs. I, I almost don't feel that way about this game because I think that this team kind of needs to realize that this is, this is not just a regular game. Yeah. And I don't, I, I I almost wonder if Kentucky isn't going to have enough time to, to consider that. I don't know. It it could mean absolutely nothing. I think this is the first time maybe, uh, maybe I don't know. First time in a really long time that the game has been at Rupp Arena, yet Louisville has more pressure on them to win. Is do we have a do we have a line yet? Uh, we do not. That the college basketball lines are weird. Yeah, they um, I don't think I, it probably won't be out till later this week. It depends. Sometimes we'll think, release them a little bit early. But uh, do you think Louisville I, will be the favorite? I was looking at uh, Jeff Sargent. Is that how you say his last name, or is it? Uh, I can't remember how the guy does the the guy that does kind of the the lines before. Oh, Sagarin, 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 Sergeant. I'm not sure what I was thinking, but Sagarin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had pretty much Louisville and Kentucky even on a neutral court, so Kentucky would be a three point favorite at Rupp. I don't think it's going to be that line. I think Louisville's going to be favored slightly, um, one or two. Yeah, I think it's we'll going to be one or two. Yeah. Um, Ken Palm has them winning by one, sixty six, sixty five. With a fifty-three percent chance of winning at Kentucky. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, as, tor- as I mentioned, my tour we'll got a sixty-six. So. 
yeah, we'll talk. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely talk about it later in the week, and uh, you know, go X's and O's, sort of what we did for Michigan, and that turned out really well for us. So yeah. we'll keep that vibe going. Um, let's move away from fun and games into something a little more serious, Chris, and that's uh, the the Matt Bevin pardon issue, which I think most people who are listening kind of know what's happening. Uh, if you don't, I would encourage you to read the Courier Journal articles about it. Joe Sanka has been all over it. Uh, they had a really big, um, I think they've basically gone through every single pardon um, in a database and, 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 and revealed some of it yesterday on the Courier Journal in a special issue or special part of the issue, um, which I would really recommend taking a look at as well. But that being said, um, yeah, it's 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 really weird. It's starting to become nationally the biggest thing I'm hearing about Kentucky at this point. <laughs> uh, is I saw you know Washington Post article, New York Times article, seeing some national you know tweeting folks tweet about it. So basically, we're at this phase where it, it looks like even you know the Republican-controlled legislature is going to take a look or going to you know get some special investigators to look at it. But I think sort of the take. I take is not a good word in this situation. Um, but what I really wanted to focus on is, you know, the, the, the pardons that are, that we're worried about that, that are really being talked about the ones regarding, you know, people who've donated to, to Bevin, um, the one regarding, you know, the, there's a whole terrible situation about child rape that honestly, I don't, I don't feel like we could do any kind of justice or give kind of any really meaning to So I don't want to really talk about it. But I've heard a few folks kind of talk specifically about, well, you know, criminal justice and, 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 and kind of tying in some of the, you know, several hundred other pardons that are really non-controversial um, as a part of criminal justice reform. And Chris, have you heard it? You know, and I, I know we ha we've had some conversation outside the show about it. It's just some people have tried to to play the game where they look at this and say, We'll look at the context of everything else. Some of these things may be a good thing. And my thing is I don't think Matt Bevan deserves context. Like I, I, I don't think there there needs to be a selling point to say some of these things Matt Bevan has done are, exactly. are maybe decent. That that's fine. That's fine if you believe that. There are certain things that we can have a conversation where the only way people really get out of jail that are innocent sometimes are pardons. That's a thing that's actually absolutely true and it is a is a is a story. But at the end of the day, there's no backhanded compliments for for how this thing has gone. Like there's just not. And to 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 to, to take that take that away kind of just hijacks the conversation and is really unfair to everyone else that's been affected by this. To me, it, it, it's just kind of ridiculous. I think what's funny, like I don't know, if funny is the right word, is but I'm wondering if if all those national columnists that had the opinion of Matt Bevin losing means that you know Mitch McConnell is a, is is in danger. Have a different opinion now once they see how absolutely terrible this dude is. <laughs> yeah, no, it's um, yeah, it, it's it's a really tough situation, and I, I don't know. I think I, I just think you know criminal justice reform is important. Kentucky has Kentucky got like actually worse um, under Matt Bevin in regards to criminal justice, you know, some, some mandatory minimums were changed, made worse, made harder for people who were dealing with low level crimes. Uh, you got the whole gang bill issue, um, that, that, you know, if you, if you're not familiar with it, definitely would read into that if you're, if you're interested in that. Um, 
it's just a, such a weird situation. It's a, it's so it's it's exactly what you said. It's like it was such a weird four years, and like the fact that he's still gonna live on with this like like one last horrible act was just kind of nuts to me. Like I thought he really was just gonna go away silently. I don't know why any of us would have thought that, but I thought the same <laughs> I don't thing. know why I did. I don't know why I did, but I really I really did. I really did think that after his weird interviews, the, the the weird interview series, that was kind of his last thing. And then, oh wait, like he's got these hundreds of, har- of pardons. That it's it's nuts, man. It's it's a. I mean, the the thing that stuck out for me, minus like obviously the the heinous details of some of his quotes. Honestly, his latest quote, I really don't even want to repeat on this podcast. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, because that's just not something I want to talk about. Um, it disgusts me, but. To have like the advisement of of people in his own cabinet just telling him that these things he shouldn't do, and him just being like, you know, I'm gonna do them anyway. It's just like it's so Matt Bevan. It's just it's the guy with the complex who you know says that he's the smartest person in the room, or he he's doing something because he wants to just prove a point. Either one of those things, and it, it, it's just very very Matt Bevan. Yeah, it's it, it, the, it, I think this is in relation to the um, to the Terry Miners interview he did, which is is just garbage, and and it's and things that he said on that podcast have been um, have been really uh, you know related to the child rape issue uh, have been basically out out they were outlandish and have been rightly dismissed by experts and people who know what they're talking about, unlike Matt Bevan. So it just it, it goes to show it's another one more reminder of how terrible. Uh, a governor he was and on the way out and i i don't know i mean i, I don't know what else we can say i guess but i felt like we no i mean i'm, I'm curious it. i'm, I'm kind of curious what the future is <laughs> for, for matt bevan if this is at this point he is going to go like silent into the distance or is there going to be something where he he you know he comes up and he's he's employed by trump or he's yeah he i goes think back into the private sector or, or, or what happens i think he's next. going back to the private sector i don't i i <sighs> All the all the inclinations from Team Trump have have they're kind of wiping his hands their their hands with him. Yeah. I don't know. I'd be really shocked. Maybe maybe if we get to a point where there's, which we're kind of we're getting there where there's no real allies. I don't know. It, it it's it's not it's it's not looking great for for this dude. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hopefully this will be the last time that we talk about Matt Bevan on the podcast. That'd be great. <laughs> that'd be great. I doubt that, but that'd be great. <laughs> Let's, uh, we, could, we could we could talk about some of the the positive stuff that Andy Bashir is doing. No yeah, question. Soon enough. So soon enough. We'll we'll have more to talk about. It'll be pretty interesting January when it comes to that. Uh, let's close this thing out with something fun. Uh, the Louisville City FC fun, I guess, <laughs> sarcastically. The Louisville City FC debacle, logo debacle, Chris. Uh, so I, let me let me set the stage because I have a feeling some people may not fully understand or they saw some links, some things. Um, so Louisville City, I think it was a week ago. So yeah, about a week ago today, uh, Louisville City FC, they unveiled their rebranding. They they developed a new logo, um, changed the colors, removed the yellow gold, the gold color uh, for, and, and added in black. Um, and pretty instantly the logo was derided. I want to, I want to say that I didn't hate the logo. I think the, the thinking there's some parts of it I wouldn't have done the way they did, but I don't, I don't hate the logo. Um, I just, so, I, I love how, I love how the main like takeaway, and I love this about the city of Louisville and the people of Louisville that it doesn't say Louisville. And I love that. That was, that was that. my biggest issue. I was about to say that. 
that was my biggest problem. It said instead of saying Louisville City, it says Lou City, which has been like the nickname of the team. It's their Twitter account. It's their website. But then they were making it the real naming convention. And I just I, that felt like a nickname. And it's a it's a solid nickname. I don't hate it. I like it. But that just didn't feel right for for the actual name of the team. So, that so like was, the seal, the, the the seal for like Manchester United says Manchester. It doesn't say Man, right, or like anything no, like that. No, like, no. The, yeah. So I don't know. That that's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it was kind of it was kind of different. It was kind of dumb. Um, so the fans were so upset. There was so many arguments on Twitter and stuff, and then on Reddit. The team at the end of last week decided. Okay, we're gonna rethink this. They'd only been out for a couple of days. They stopped the production on everything, and they're going back to the drawing board. I just wanted to I want to talk about this, Chris, because I I don't I don't know how much of a relationship you have with the soccer team. Have you? Yeah, I mean, a, a, a fair enough. Um, okay, probably not as much as you, but just an average amount. No, yeah, I mean, I I'm I'm not I'm not a season ticket holder. Um, I enjoy I've gone to a handful of games less than 10 but more than two more than three like six or seven um, I enjoy the games I enjoy following the team but I'm by no means one of the 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 you know the several thousand group of very passionate fans who are very intense about their feelings about the team and that's sort of what I wanted to talk about is it's such a unique relationship that these guys have with the team like a, a sense of ownership Mm-hmm. And, and that's what makes the team really cool, to be honest with you. I think there's this very passionate group, uh, folks who are super into the team, you know, folks that five years ago, 10 years ago, I don't think you would have dreamed would have gotten super into soccer or some of them sports. If, if you know, some of the conversations I've had with some of them, but they've really found uh, a home and a place with this team and this fan base. And I think, over- go ahead, go ahead. I th- I, no, I just think more than probably anywhere else because they've seen it from the ground up to to get a new stadium to all the success that they've had no question but no they question. really they really feel like that they're they were part of that success yeah. and, and they, i mean they so. have a they have a great reason to feel that way i think i they think have a that um yeah no go ahead no keep going keep going i'm agreeing no, i was just gonna say i think that that maybe the local athletic department has took some of the the messaging and and took their lead as far as like the ownerships that the fans have and responding That's to you know point. whether it was the 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 white the white towels for the michigan game when they first posted the video and they were just in the lower bow and then two hours later they were in the upper level whether it's the dirt bow video or things like that this is this is an example of loose city being i mean people can smash on them all they want but they're being proactive because the fan base didn't like something so they're fixing it and in general that's a good thing yes it was a bit of a pr debacle i've talked to a few i have a few friends that work for design agencies in louisville and i know that there's a decent portion of people that don't want a part in this because they don't want the debacle at their feet um but it's a good thing though i think that's what i think it's a good thing but i do i do want to note that i think that this is like the flip side of that kind of relationship is that you have to be a hundred percent on the same page with the fans and and i i don't know exactly what happened i think it's it's been pretty public at this point that doe anderson um one of the city's largest and oldest advertising agencies was was the one who who kind of worked on this branding I don't know how much of the the design changes, you know, the, in, in this kind of relationship as a marketing person, I can speak to. Um, I would by no means say this is 100% anyone's fault because 
when you're working with a client, you don't know how much, you know, how much input they want to have. Sometimes it's a relationship where you go and you create what you're creating and then you take it to the client um, and the client gives notes. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much of those, how much that relationship goes where maybe Louisville City is like, it needs to have these three things. We want it to say Lou City, not Louisville. Make it happen. So, I mean, why did they just put out? Uh, maybe they did. I wonder if they put out like a season ticket holder survey to see like. Well, that's the that that's the question I have. So that's and and sort of my understanding is that um, in in an effort to keep this uh, a surprise and keep this secret, um, there wasn't a ton of input given uh, by the broader fans. <laughs> I might be completely wrong on that, but that's uh, in some of the conversations I've had with people online. It seems like that was the case, and that there were some people involved in the process, um, but maybe more should have been. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a conversation that some people may bore some people to death, but to me, it's really intriguing. Because, yeah, yeah, like, no question. For for so long, you've had large entities in Louisville. Uh, whether it is the Louisville Athletic Department, the previous Athletic Department, decide that they're not going to listen to the majority of the fans and kind of do what they want to do. Um, so when you have the opposite, and you know it hasn't been handled particularly smoothly, but when you have the opposite, it's really interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's it's, and I'll be really int- it's kind of wild, and, and someone's probably screaming at the at the uh, podcast right now, They're like, "Oh, this happened before." Yeah, it did. So the first time uh, they released the logo, <laughs> if you can't, if you've never seen the original Louisville City logo, it, I would I would go look it up. It's legitimately an absolute piece of trash, and I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I remember when it came out, I couldn't believe that it was real. Has it always uh, been the same same group working with them? I don't think I don't think that was them. I think that was almost designed by like people in house, and then they had a competition, and uh, I remember that like the local graphic designers organization. I think it's AIGA is what it's called. It um, is yes. Uh, they they had part of it. So yeah, absolutely. And they I, they kind of gave an official statement, and and I mean rightfully so from them that like the the national AIGA policy is that designers shouldn't submit themselves to those kinds of. Um, those kinds of contests because they don't really benefit people. And it seemed like the prize wasn't a good prize and um, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So they kind of said, we don't, you know, we're not going to tell anybody not to do this, but this is kind of our general thought is that uh, these are reductive and don't really bring out the best in our community and which is understandable. So that was a little bit of an issue, but someone did it anyway. And, and um, some people didn't have a problem with the logo. I think it definitely, I, it, it looked like a minor league soccer team. I, I don't know. I like, thought I, I, I thought like the the stars thing was weird too. Like I know it was a reference of a previous Louisville like city flag, but I felt like that flag hadn't been a thing for like the past ten years. Oh, I, I love that flag. See, I love that yeah, flag. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but I the, the the that notwithstanding, it's just it's an old flag. Like I yeah. don't know. So it just didn't feel modern to me. But you know, maybe there is some type of like appeal to like the vintage vintage tart of that i don't know i just yeah. keep going back to to wanting everything to be gonzo style so maybe that's just me no i understand what you're saying <laughs> but um no i i i actually i kind of i kind of really like that flag and i've i've had some conversations with folks who are like super mad that the flag changed when the city became louisville metro and anyway that's another thing but um it was it is weird that the stars aren't like like correctly spaced in there yeah, like that was weird to me. That was one of the like tweaks I would have not done. Like even we, if there there were some arguments for like spacing and and size wise, it it needed to be a little bit bigger. 
And I was like, I just just make the stars all the way in there. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we didn't even write it down. Another thing that just crossed my mind was the the GQ one park article. Um, oh, that gosh. We, we, we probably should have mentioned. I don't know if you had any opinion on it. We didn't even really prep for it. So if you don't, I get it. Yeah. I mean, um, I I I had a tweet storm. I was more interested. I thought it was way better than the New York Times article. Yeah. Or wait. No, the New York Times article was better. The New York Times the article was the One Park article. I, I, I yeah, said that you're confused. The, yeah, the, 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 GQ the GQ was the Gonzo. article was the Gonzo. Yeah. So I compared and contrasted like the photos um, because it was like still making Louisville look like a dilapidated wasteland. Uh, <laughs> and then also the pictures of the people in the photos. Um, it, it, I compared it to every single article that the New York Times has done about Trump voters. They like yeah. shot the exact exact same way. I was like, "Come on, dude, that's pretty hilarious." Just doing uh, a broadcasting of the state of Kentucky. It's great. Yeah, I didn't mind. Um, <laughs> I, I I didn't mind that article as much. I think it was interesting. It, it, we could have a larger conversation about one park and what it means. That maybe that's something we'll talk about. Uh, you know, sort of our end of the the decade thing. Um, but I thought I, I would recommend it. I'll toss it in the, I'll toss it in the show notes. Um, it seemed, you know, I don't know. I think the biggest, the biggest thing that I took away from that article was the lack. I didn't realize that there, the, the, the real lack of affordable housing in it. I think it was like 10 units. It said, yeah, which is kind of wild. Um, I mean, it's, it's still not that big of a, of a thing. I don't know. No, I think, that's I just issue. think that's, that's, that's a good issue. one that we'll have to discuss going forward because it, 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 makes you know good points and bad points so anytime a, a national columnist can do that is not i mean it's it, it's a good thing because it's always interesting to me to like see the outside perspective from mobile and then not initially just totally be able to slam it or not initially be able to totally agree with it when it's somewhere in the middle it's particularly compelling for me and that's kind of how i felt about that that new york times article there's nothing really more to talk about like where Louisville's headed you know, in the next decade, when you look at how things with Top Golf went and how things with One Park went, and that should tell you all you need to know about some of the the angles and the and the and the forces at play in the next five years, and and Louisville becoming the city it's going to be or it's not going to be. Um, so I, I think it would be good for us to go through that article in depth and kind of talk about it a little bit more. So we'll yeah, we'll definitely that. we'll definitely do that for sure. Um, and with that, I think that's all we've got, though, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Um, rivalry coming up so look for that in the, the week um i don't know is the plan to do the twitch stream yeah i think we're gonna try and do a tr- twitch gre- stream uh, twitch stream on either thursday or friday um so be on the lookout for that we'll talk about that on twitter i'm sure and then we'll record it and send it out um as a as a podcast as well um so be it will be an interesting it will be interesting event yeah, it'll be a it'll be an interesting week coming up. It's one of yeah my my favorite weeks, obviously with Christmas, but the big game on the horizon. It's it's just a good week, a good good fun on Twitter dot com and and everywhere else. <laughs> Definitely. So we'll wish everyone a happy holiday. Uh, you know, no matter what you celebrate, hope you enjoy this week, and uh, we will talk to you guys towards the end. Take care. <laughs>